We start with a very important discussion, namely with the connection between the deadly virus COVID-19 and recent protests that erupted in the US and in Europe. Then we think about consequences uh, for American presidential elections and American politics in general. And lastly, we try to understand Russian deterrence policy in the usage of nuclear weapons. So, enjoy our podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Civis Pachem, to the new, our new episode. Hello there. And we have like new interesting topic that basically emerged really, really recently. Yep. We're going to discuss, I guess, first topic, how um, protests correlate to COVID-19. Because yeah. I guess we should discuss it, and so many people discuss it. And Well, I think it's we have to. We, mm -hmm. we cannot omit the fact that America is burning right now, first of all. Yeah. And the fact that what's happening right now kind of it goes against what was going on before. Yeah. So the entire, maybe let's not call it hysteria, but, you know, this movement of mm -hmm. stay-at-home social isolation mm -hmm. is being, well, basically outtaken by the protests mm -hmm. and riots in the U.S. So the narrative changed. Oh, yeah. I mean, I remember, I still remember people talking and saying stuff like this. Well, maybe after, you know, COVID ends, we, we're still going to wear masks and won't have handshakes and stuff like this because people are going to worry too much about germs. But now we see it's kind of like, like you know, uh, throughout the world, quarantine can end it and people just let's go and protest. And I mean, I want to talk about not, not only about the US, I guess we will come back to this issue later. Uh, I want to talk just about protests and how they like relate to COVID because it's basically a you know worldwide experiment right now whether we're gonna have second wave or not. Because, and it's a medical experiment, not social. Yeah, experiment. I mean to give you perspective, now they have this uh, big protests uh, throughout Europe. I mean I saw already they, uh, they happened in uh, Netherlands. Maybe in some Scandinavian countries, probably, I suppose. Uh, we will have some in Germany. We'll have some soon. in Berlin, Germany tomorrow. Big protests in Berlin. I guess you can see these big images of, uh, like from drones and stuff like this. So, yeah, it's a, it's a big experiment whether we're going to have second wave. And, you know, for me, it's fascinating how attitudes change. You know, <laughs> Two, two, three weeks ago, if you go out and to, I mean, I mean, it was illegal together, like together, like to have more than three or four people to gather together. You know, it was actually illegal here first in Germany. Two yeah. people was most. Yeah, <laughs> and throughout Europe, it was approximately the same. But now it's like I don't care anymore. <laughs> Let's protest, which is a little bit strange, and also strange how you attitude and the narrative about virus changed so drastically and so rapidly that no one really expected this and no one still no one no one talks about this you know and i wonder why this happened Did the issue is the issue of racism mm -hmm. just more emotionally you know yeah. loaded so people do not think rationally right now but just yeah. follow their emotions uh, or is it something else mm -hmm. working here i can't really understand what's what happened why I mean, did the narrative of the mm -hmm. virus and containing it uh, yeah. you know, narrative that this is the most important task that we are we have right now. Mm -hmm. Everything else should be, you know, uh, in the in the background. Yeah. Why suddenly the protests and you know the issue of racism 
completely overshadowed the issue of the coronavirus. Yeah, I agree. It's it's particularly interesting to just observe this. And I think it's understandable in the US, this argument, you know, that the issue of racism prevails in type of COVID or virus issue because, you know, we experience racism every day in the US and we should, uh, you should, we should fight uh, with this and stuff like that, but it's kind of not the same in Europe. It's still a different issue in Europe, and we didn't have this case in Europe, so I don't know why people. I mean, first of all, I see two issues. First, uh, authorities allow this mm-hmm. throughout Europe. I mean, they basically say, well, you, you can gather, you know, we see it in the Netherlands, we're gonna see it tomorrow in Berlin and in Germany. Well, because it's such an important issue. I mean, I don't see their logic, like, I have no idea what they're thinking about, uh, and I saw, you know, all these politicians in Europe and Canada, Trudeau, Merkel, just supporting this protest, I find this just silly, <laughs> and just, like, following, just jumping on the bandwagon and trying to get, like, their ratings up, probably, I don't know what they're doing, but it's definitely not safe to do this, because, I mean, if you're a politician, you should, first of all, think about safety of your own people, and, you, I mean... And all these talks, especially, you know, our healthcare, like, healthcare workers, they're heroes. They're, like, we should praise them, we should, like, have some kind of respect to them, but but now we already forgot about this, because there is still a big chance we still have people getting COVID every day, even before this protest, so yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure they're going to have some spike. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure about the scale of the spike, but they're gonna have the spike. And I guess in the US they already uh, um, notice uh, and um, they notice the spikes, observe the spikes in some American cities. Yeah, and also it's important to note that you know, as, as we know, the virus has a long incubation period. So you know, mm-hmm. the virus has been going for what, like one, two weeks. Yeah. And since the virus can incubate for like two weeks, we do not yet know the impact of those <laughs> protests. So we will oh. slowly get to know, you know, like week or two, we will see how yeah. this influenced the pandemic situation. Yeah, exactly. And another thing to mention is just, you know, uh, everyone sacrificed something in order to combat this virus, whether it's your liberty, your work, your... I mean, a lot of things. People yeah. sacrifice a lot. Your studies, for example, we are, as students, we still experience digital studies. They're pretty bad. Oh, yes. And you have to deal with this because that's how you think about the world. Well, you have to, you know, save other people and health of other people is more important than my own studies. You just sacrifice. You have this, you have to make this choice. Of course. But now, I mean, this is like very hypocritical to agree with people protesting while you still have some kind of restrictions on movement throughout Europe and whatever. And you're going to, you know, just basically pass this virus just because you want to protest against racism. This is something, like, really strange for me and how it has changed so rapidly. I, I, I mean, it's it's hard to understand, honestly. You know, I also wonder, would the same situation occur were it not for the virus? I mean, maybe mm-hmm. uh, the killing of George Floyd was just an excuse for people to let out their frustration regarding yeah. the coronavirus. They must, might have lost their jobs or, mm-hmm. you know, they were uh, closed in their homes, couldn't get out. This, of course, takes a toll on your mental health. It's mm-hmm. obvious. Yeah. And I'm just thinking, maybe people are just frustrated. And mm-hmm. the fact that there is now this movement against racism maybe is just an excuse for them to go out and voice their frustration in a way. Yeah. 
I think that maybe the reactions would be completely different were it not for the mm -hmm. virus to the killing of uh, George Floyd. Yeah, that's true. I actually thought about this because, like, you combat with this so-called hidden enemy, you know, you couldn't see the virus. And I guess this frustration definitely, um, it just apprehended this frustration it just uh, among people. And now they want to express this frustration because, I mean, probably a lot of people would, like, disagree with, like, authorities who basically restricted their liberties uh, for the sake of uh, you know health of other people and they try to express this yeah and that's why i also think a lot of people didn't really take virus seriously and they still don't take it seriously because they yeah. still go to protests you know if you take it seriously you you wouldn't go to protests i mean you take i mean this is not this is not rational and just like following your beliefs so so yeah i'm and uh, I don't know. This is happening right now, so we're experiencing history. I guess it's just really important to see. I mean, and also to see how how it's easy to manipulate people. You know, one day you say, "Yeah, like, well, we should all sit at home because there is like this virus going on, and you should wear a mask whether you go to like a shop or whatever." And now they just basically authorities say, "Well, you could go to protests because it's against racism, and racism is an important issue." Yeah, I mean, and this is just an act of manipulation, which, you know... Yeah, well, people are very, you know, eager to subscribe to movements or ideologies, mm -hmm. especially when they're emotionally, you know, frustrated. Yeah. It's easy to... Uh, well, you just want to, to be a member of a group oh, yeah. or, or a movement. So, first of all, you know, it was the movement of stay at home. People felt mm -hmm. good because, oh, yeah, I'm staying at home. Maybe it isn't too comfortable for me, but I'm doing something good. Mm -hmm. So, this made them feel good because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a member of a larger community who yeah. also does the same. And now we have a new movement that emerged. Maybe not a new, but one that's, you know, the most mainstream right mm -hmm. now. The fight against racism. And people just want to subscribe to this. And yeah. and this, this helps them and they have the feeling that they're doing something good. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, they just go for it. Yeah, this is probably the case. Uh, I agree with you because people want to like submerge. I mean, and they probably they are so bored after this virus. But for me, I mean, for me, personal choice. Uh, I I I am pretty much endorse and support peaceful protests. But I mean, especially in the US. But I, what I don't like is this hypocrisy in terms of COVID, because you should understand that a lot of people sacrifice a lot, and you should respect those people. And respect your own choice, you know, to stay at home for, like, freaking two months. This yep. is a lot. <laughs> uh, and when you sacrifice something, you should respect your choice. And you people should respect and understand that this is maybe not the right time in Europe to protest against racism, you know. You, you can return to this issue later and whatever. But let's not have this, you know, live social experiments with the deadly virus. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, we also have to you know distinguish between the people who are protesting mm -hmm. peacefully and violently. Mm -hmm. And well, my take on mm, yeah. violent protests is uh, maybe this is controversial, mm -hmm. I will say, but I don't think that violent protests are always a bad thing. But mm -hmm. it uh, depends where the violence is directed. Because mm -hmm. right now, innocent people are mm -hmm. being targeted. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, if it weren't for violent protests, we wouldn't have the abolition of monarchy in France. Yeah. We wouldn't have the abolition of, you know, serfdom in Eastern Europe. We wouldn't have the U.S. We wouldn't have the U.S., place. exactly. <laughs> uh, so it depends where you direct this violence. Because I think yeah. this is the quote from uh, Simone de Beauvoir. Mm -hmm. She said that democracy cannot be defended with democratic measures. Yeah, true. And uh, this is my take on this. So sometimes you have to resist if somebody, mm -hmm. you know, stomps into your life and takes your freedoms mm -hmm. away. 
you are it's okay for you to you know fight back but right now people who are innocent are being mm-hmm. targeted people are just being uh, you know a target of just mindless violence which has no oh, yeah. purpose and i totally condemn that and i cannot support this and i yeah. think that people who you know who protest peacefully mm-hmm. voice their disapproval and this is the way to go yeah this is this is true and i guess we are coming to the second topic that we want to discuss is just like specifically protests in the us and how they're gonna you know we have election year it's pretty important um so yeah let's just discuss this issue and as you already mentioned i guess people like just generally don't distinguish between riots looting and just peaceful protests um and this is like like, this is the problem yeah it is i guess because we should be honest it's not normal when people just use like this process as an excuse to just some rob some shop uh, or or to do some like whatever like that actually harms society it, it doesn't benefit anyone you just want to like for the sake of their own benefit they want to do like yeah as i said like to rob the shop for example and this is a big issue and i specifically i'm i'm curious about like this uh, democrat rhetoric because i i've heard some like speeches of uh, top democrats including you know biden uh, Obama, they all gave some speeches about, and then no one mentions, you know, no one mentions uh, violence, you know. Everyone's yeah. like, well, uh, you know, all changes in the US, uh, like, happen with, like, all this broader social context and broader social movement and should go on, care, like, you know, carry on, like, this uh, legacy of um, Martin Luther King and have, like, this peaceful protest, but no, like, no one mentions that at the same time, you know, when, like, especially the like, curfew starts, you know, and like it's after 8 p.m. or some 10 p.m., like it's just a chaos on the streets, you know. People mm-hmm. just, they they also kill, there's also a lot of violence against policemen. They basically kill them or they severely damage, like, and severely, like, they have attacks on policemen yeah. uh, during this time, especially nighttime. Um, and this is horrible. No one discusses this. And um, I, I feel... This what can give you know points to Trump because what he says he get, he gets this agenda and he's you know he's 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 still I would say brilliant politician because first of all he won election uh, and he's still president you know whatever he still you say. is and uh-huh. yeah it's it's hard to to ascertain how how the situation will mm-hmm. uh, influence the presidential election I think you might you might analyze it this way that in times of uncertainty people look for strong authority. Mm-hmm. And this is strong authority is something that Trump could give. Biden, yeah. not really. Biden is, you mm-hmm. know, more a softer rule, I would yeah. say. And Trump is always, you know, let's go, let's go and mm-hmm. get him. And I think this might convince some people to vote Trump. But I am not convinced mm-hmm. that my reasoning here is, you know, flawless. I agree. Uh, because I think I think Biden is not a solution to this problem. I just, I just don't buy, you know, his candidacy. And I think it's just elit play their own game elites like you know they play their own game yeah like endorsing biden um, because whatever they want to save trade with china or they want to do some other you know stuff that trump kind of like tries to solve the issues and yeah with as you said i mean the like the elections of nixon was like i mean nixon was elected because there was like so many protests going on in the u.s and they elected yeah. nixon and he had this slogan like to restore order and peace and this is what Trump tries to, I mean, utilize this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't like, I don't support Trump. I'm not a Trump supporter, but 
this is a very narrow definition when you just say, well, there is like there is like like protest going on, but we won't mention any rioters, we won't mention any looting because it harms our own political stance. Yeah, but this is what Democrats do, and this is like pure hypocrisy. And I mean, people suffer. I mean, you, you see people people suffer because they lose their business, they lose their jobs. Um, and they just see that no one, no one wants to help them. For example, in New York, the first days of the protests, like the authorities basically allowed these riots and looting. They had this policy, like to just like not to like to fight with them, just like to allow those things. And of course, people will be pissed. And of course, this is this is normal reaction because I thought, like, I mean, then we like, come back to this Habesian society. We need the government because. I mean, otherwise people just are animals that kill each other or yeah. just rob each other or do some harmful stuff to each other. We need to have authorities to step in and just restore order and peace because otherwise we would have this uh, like perpetual violence against each other. Yeah, and it's, you know, it is widely accepted in the field of psychology that the feeling of safety is mm -hmm. one of the most important needs of a human being. Yeah. So if they live in times of uncertainty, of violence, and you know, of yeah. uh, uncertain future, they will look up to some mm -hmm. authority who promises to bring you know just peace and order. Yeah, and and same thing goes to like all these politicians worldwide. You know that they they say, well, we support, we are so liberal, we are so democratic, we support protests, and we, I mean, they don't blame Trump, but they kind of like like you know they ask Trudeau about Trump. He had this like. 40 minutes, like, so 40, 40 seconds silent, silence, kind of kept the silence. And then, I mean, again, Merkel endorsed, like, all these protests, but they don't mention that they do the same when something like this erupts. Yeah. I mean, they did the same in Germany in 2017 when they had this in, uh, basically, riots uh, during G20. And they had same thing in France when they had these riots. Yeah, the French police is really, you know, it's not reluctant to crack yeah. down the protests. So they just basically try to use this for their own gains. And this is a game. This is hypocrisy. And the more I leave, the more I understand that like, Western society is based on hypocrisy, basically, because people say one thing, they act differently. You know, they don't really follow, uh, I mean, especially politicians, not the whole society. Yeah. Like, but politicians just say one thing and follow like other set of actions. And this is... This is really, really bad. You know, and also private companies try to profit from the situation oh, yeah. to, you know, to gain publicity mm -hmm. by saying, yes, we support uh, minorities, <laughs> etc. Even though their actions from the past speak completely otherwise. <laughs> Let's not give certain names here, but it happens quite often in, you know, yeah. in corporations and international companies. Yeah, because it, it just benefits them because they want to... I mean, the festival is a good advertisement, right? Because It is, absolutely. You know, in the midst of this crisis, and they just say, well, we support all progressive ideas, like Facebook, I guess Facebook um, uh, and Twitter, and they, like, they blocked like, Trump tweets and stuff like this, which is, again, which is outrageous because there's freedom of speech, you know, let people say whatever they want. Uh, and something like Amazon... Obviously, it's, it's hilarious because Amazon, there were so many articles during pandemic that Amazon basically, you know, like so many, like they got people fired because they just told press how it's, how, like, what are working conditions in Amazon. Yep. They got fired for this and no one really talks about it anymore, but everyone's just like, well, Amazon endorses and supports protests. Yeah, Jeff Bezos is such a nice guy, right? Yeah, and equality and this is not right. This is like 
what we really don't understand i mean and for me it's like the thesis is going to be like this it's just like it's the way to manipulate society you just like give them these things as you said what you like things that they give them that you can be part of and this is how they manipulate them because otherwise i mean Goebbels would, would agree with this absolutely <laughs> Probably because this is this is nice because you're still democratic and you're liberal but you but you give them some you know food for their thoughts like to think that they're the part of the society broader society mm-hmm. it's how they hook up on this you know and yeah, this the is feeling of being something greater you know yeah and and no one talks about real problems about i mean in the us uh, there is a lot of like big issues i mean um uh, i still endorse peaceful protests i understand that police brutality is a thing not only in the U.S., but I guess in the U.S. especially. Yeah, especially. It's it's a thing, and uh, the way they actually killed uh, Floyd, yeah, like they killed this guy, is a brutal, uh, is it's an atrocity. Yeah, absolutely, it should be condemned. Yeah, and uh, but let's not forget that we're in the midst of pandemic and don't have these experiments, uh, life scale uh, experiments with people, um, and second spike. I mean. I just don't know. <laughs> well, we will see very soon with numbers. Yeah, and I guess uh, from 7 to 14 days we will see numbers. And and let's not forget that the US is already number one in all rankings about you know the seriousness of the pandemic. So Oh, yeah. Uh, you, the US is especially, but not, not only, you know. Uh, I guess there's still a, a big chance of uh, starting this spike in Germany and in Europe in general. Europe plans to open borders, for example. And what is scary that now they're going to close, probably they're going to have second spike, they're going to close borders again. I mean, it depends because I think the uh, European Commission was said that it's there's no point to mm-hmm. keep the borders closed if the state of the pandemic is basically similar in all states of mm-hmm. the EU because yeah. it doesn't serve any purpose if the situation is exactly the mm-hmm. same in different countries. But for example, if we were to see uh, a major spike in Germany because there were bigger protests happening there for example Mm -hmm. uh, in Poland protests in in front of the US embassy were just dispersed by the police and nobody cared Mm -hmm. you know so I could see a situation where because of you know protests happening in Germany there's a spike in the infections of coronavirus and you know the numbers are higher in Germany and lower in Poland and Mm -hmm. I can see one country closing the borders to the other again yeah Um, and then again it will affect common people Trading with each other, having businesses and travelers, and uh, it will, it can have bad consequences for everyone. Yeah, both so, for people and economy. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess uh, like the last topic. I mean, it's a little bit uh, not in the same direction. Yeah, not really related, but surprising. Important. Yeah, uh, I guess one of in but it's still in our well, it's called, it's our sphere of interest. Yeah. So Russia published uh, its. Uh, sort of a doctrine of its deterrence mm-hmm. it's an important document because it's it's like one of the first documents in, in in its own kind in russia yes they published something the same in 90s but still it's still a lot of time passed and it's interesting because what they say there it's what are the scenarios when they're going to use nuclear weapons and they basically stated six scenarios there's nothing new in this doctrine i mean Something similar you could find in Russian military doctrine and Russian, in some other official documents. Um, but I, I guess what what is interesting, I mean, the first first of all, 
the interesting fact that they already published it. So it's not really, I mean, it's an interesting fact just per se because state, states don't publish such like documents very often, um, especially strategic that have strategic importance. I guess they do that in the, if they want to send a message to their, you know, mm -hmm. um, potential foes and enemies, I guess. Well, this is probably true, but a lot of people, like a lot of scholars and professionals in this field say, well, this is just basically useless because mm -hmm. those documents don't work. No one actually, I mean, American officials, American military practitioners, they don't, don't go and just, I mean, read these documents before acting. It's not like how it works. This is one argument, you know, as like another argument would be like, yes, they, but they still have this clear um, vision when they're going to use nuclear weapons. And it's interesting because there's uh, a bunch of cases that they promise to use nuclear weapons and does not include specifically cases like, like someone like going to use nukes uh, against Russia. Mm -hmm. This is like kind of standard way of seeing nuclear yeah. deterrence. Um, but they're also going to use, for example, I mean, as they stay, stay uh, I mean, in this doctrine, Russia states that they're going to use nukes in order to, for example, uh, it's a different framing, but to de-escalate situation. So with this, uh, there is a military conflict, they're going to use nukes, like mm -hmm. basically what they're saying, in order to prevent a war, which is interesting. It's uh, It has been discussed for a while, this concept of uh, Russian strategy, uh, escalate to de-escalate. Yeah which means basically to beef up your military capabilities and be able to like use nukes in order to prevent sort of large scale war which is interesting and like especially american military analysts use this framework you know to, to depict russia as an evil country i guess you could say civis pacem parabellum <laughs> yeah civis pacem but this is still still interesting question, I guess, for me because like for, I guess for our podcast, you know, yeah. because um, and all of the things uh, you can, I guess, you can go and check this doctrine. It's it's really interesting just to understand in what cases Russia promises and pledges to use nuclear weapons. I guess this is what we discussed earlier that you know mm -hmm. the usage of nuclear weapons does not uh, immediately, uh, you know. Yeah, uh, imply out uh, you know a global yeah. nuclear catastrophe. There could be regional or you know tactical usage of mm -hmm. nuclear weapons. I mean, Russia is very famous for tactical nukes. Russia deploys a lot of tactical nukes, and I mean, uh, especially dual usage capabilities. Something like uh, um, uh, the uh, Iskander missiles yeah. is yeah. a great example because when they fire Iskander, you basically don't know whether it's nuclear capable or not. I mean, you just don't know. We just have to gamble. <laughs> and when it hits, you know, but I mean, and it still can be low yield nuclear weapon. It's still, it's very different. And I still think, you know, when you have tactical nukes, you mostly target military targets, not really uh, mm -hmm. civilian ones. Uh, I honestly yeah. cannot see any politician in the world, uh, you know, when they face a possibility of a armed conflict, mm -hmm. I cannot see them targeting civilian uh, civilian targets right away. I yeah. think a nuclear weapon would be used to hit a military target to you know show force and say, yeah, we hit your military targets, but if you you know if you don't chill, yeah. you don't back down, we can hit your cities and your population. Yeah, like a strike group, right? This is going to be like really an example. Yeah, yeah, and. Yeah, just, it just, I guess, how uh, gonna finish it? It just yeah. interesting to play with these concepts and just think about uh, 
once they declare, because it, they broaden the scope of this usage, and it's already interesting, and I don't think it really contributes to security. Well, uh, I mean, other, uh, other people can argue, you know, they kind of, when you, you have the deterrent, like the concept of deterrence is actually works and stuff like that. But for me, I would say it only gives this new, when you, you, when you attribute new kind of meanings to these nuclear weapons, um, because for me, for example, the, the perfect concept is just like this pledge as Chinese have it's uh, no first use policy, right? Mm -hmm. Which is basically state you won't use nuclear weapons in any case until uh, until another like does, any yeah. does, yeah. Uh, otherwise, it gets like very like uh, I don't know. It's it's a blurring vision, which is probably very dangerous for the world. I guess it also relates to the uh, concept that we have in you know international relations mm -hmm. that. Offensive war is a crime, basically. You know, even yeah. even since you know back in the twenties, you know, you had those mm -hmm. convention signs uh, saying that offensive war is a crime. And I think you know, mm -hmm. you say, yeah, we're not going to use nukes first, but if you use nukes against us, we will mm -hmm. defend ourselves because you know, defensive yeah. war is something that's legitimate. Yeah, it's, it's legitimate. That's true. And yeah, turning to I guess turning to the problem of nukes, I guess uh, like like. If the country doesn't pledge to, um, like, basically, follow, it doesn't pledge to follow this principle of non-first-use policy, there is always a possibility for this country to use these nuclear weapons, and this is what was scary. Because uh, I mean, I prefer like normal conventional war to non-conventional war, war involving nukes, because the war involving nukes, I think Einstein told, like, said, I guess one famous quote, going to be the last war. For the humankind, which is not the true thing, I guess they're gonna like still humanity is gonna survive <laughs> in a broader sense. Hopefully, yeah. I mean, this is like what they say. You know, all these like researchers right now say, well, this is not tr this is not true thing when you say that it's gonna be the end of humanity. Yes, it's gonna be the end of like ninety percent of people in the world, but you know, ten percent of people, like something like five percent of people, are gonna survive. Yeah, but I guess the notion of humanity as we know it today may not. Yeah, and this is this why it's humans dangerous. may survive, but maybe not humanity. Yeah, and some checks, some checks probably are uh, they work better for this issue. Yep. Yeah, and on this note, we're gonna end this podcast. That's all for today. Yeah. And yeah, stay, don't go to the protest. How can end this? Or, or if you do, just keep distance, you know, and uh. keep all. Keep to all the regulations oh, that are just, in power. Which is so hard. <laughs> well, it is doable. It is doable, but still... If you want to. Yeah. Or just try to protest in some different forms, I would say. And do not riot. Do not rob innocent people. Well, I mean, we don't experience this in Europe. I don't know. Like, in America... We don't. We don't. Yeah. How luckily and hopefully so far, I mean... You still don't know, but I guess people are more satisfied with their life. Yeah, Europe. and if you're thinking of rioting in Europe, please don't. So, stay healthy. Stay safe. Subscribe to our um, know, YouTube, Spotify, and other platforms that we use. And uh, yeah, and we're here, here with you next week. Yeah, see you.